Well, good morning again. Um, before we get started, if you don't know me well, a couple things. I'm not really the preacher type. I was raised on a family farm west of Colt, and I feel much more comfortable farming than I do preaching. Um, but I am, I'm more of like a teacher type. So this morning, whatever you have experienced in your background with church, I kind of want you to set that aside. I want you to be able to look at me and say, hey, dude, I need you to stop right there and explain something to me. Um, whoever's bold enough to be the first one to do that, that that'd be awesome. Um, I've actually got a question for us to talk through. I'm not going to make you talk. Uh, we're not going to do that, but you are going to have an opportunity to, to contribute this morning. I don't want you to feel like I am a uh, sage on the stage where I've got it all figured out. We're, we're working through this together, okay? So, so know that this morning. Um, the bridge, the church has... Six values that the Lord has given us uh, as, as a vision. And, and those values are clarifying truth, connecting with the uninitiated, pursuing diversity, experiencing joy, loving the fatherless, and embracing margin. So what I'm going to do over the next six weeks is I'm going to take one of those values each week and talk through them. There's no way that in one week I can explain to you the depth of each value. So if, if you walk away and you're like, I'm not real sure I understand that, that's, that's probably how it's going to be. There's no way I can talk through the depth of each one. But I do want to walk through them. For people that are maybe wrestling with whether or not they want to be a part of the bridge, uh, I want to take this time to explain to you what we're about. And, and these are the things that best do that. So that we're going to walk through these six values next week. We're going to talk about connecting with the uninitiated. There are people in our community and in our world that do not have the knowledge of church that most of you probably have. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to be. They don't know how to um, act. And the Lord has burdened me and the others in the core team to go reach those people, to connect with them. At least give them a place of hope where they can come with all their ugly, with all their mess, and not immediately feel judged. That's, that's one thing that we're about. That's one of my, if not my favorite value to talk about, that is one of my favorite values to talk about. So next week, I would encourage you to come back if you can to hear about what that's about. This morning, we're talking about experiencing joy. Today's a joyful day for me. I am pumped. Um, I might dance a little. I'm, I'm not going to dance. Um, it's not that kind of church, y'all. Um, I'm, I'm not going to dance. Uh, but uh, I might get a little excited when I'm talking to you this morning because I'm pumped about what the Lord's told us to do with the bridge. I'm stoked. So I thought we would start out with joy. Um, there's one thing that I want to kind of preface this with. We're going to talk about biblical joy this morning, uh, but sometimes if, if you're dealing with a, with a struggle, 
uh, something like depression, when you hear a message about joy, sometimes that can compound on you. I don't want, if you struggle with something like depression, I don't want you to walk away today and say, man, if I try hard, I'll be happier. Uh, Sometimes you need a little extra help. So if you're struggling with, if you struggle with depression, come see me, come talk to me. Uh, We can do something different. I just don't want you to hear the message this morning about joy and it compounds something that's already on you, okay? So, So have that in the background of your mind while we're talking. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15, if you have your Bible. Uh, The title of this um, message, if you want to call it that, is Contagious Joy. And I want us to work through why joy is so critical to the bridge and really to all believers. Romans chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to pause for just a second, and then we're going to read through verse 13. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those with strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. So I want to pause there and I want us to understand these verses before we move on. The first thing I want you to see is is the word obligation. This this thing that Paul's about to talk about is not a suggestion. There there are things in the Christian life that that the Bible says you got to be about this. And, And this is one of those things. But then he says... We have an obligation to bear the weaknesses. It's not bear with the weaknesses. It's not like we're we're being patient with people with weaknesses. But what that sentence says is that we walk into other people's weaknesses and we help pick them up. So so that's that's an important thing for us to understand before we move on. uh, Verse 2 is kind of confusing to me when I first read it. So I kind of want to spend a little time on that. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. When I first read that, I was like, man, please his neighbor. That kind of makes me a little uncomfortable because Jesus sometimes didn't please folk. So I was like, what what does he mean by that? Um, Does he mean that we should care 100% what other people think of us? 100% no. Um. It doesn't mean that we care too much about what other people think of us. But there's another side to this. For believers, sometimes we just want to win. Do you know that? If if we get in a conflict with somebody, if uh, somebody disagrees with the way we believe... We're not really looking for the better of the other person. We just want to be right. You ever been there? You ever seen that happen? You ever been a part of that? The Bible teaches that that when we have conflict with somebody or when we're in a discussion with somebody, we're not trying to win, but we're always looking for the good of the other person. What does this person need right now? 
When I think of Jesus, I look at a man that, that when he saw somebody that was struggling, like the woman at the well or the lady caught in adultery, he went and he, he got on his knee and he sat beside him and he was gentle with that person. But then when he ran into a Pharisee that was super religious and thought he knew about God, but he couldn't recognize God when he was standing right in front of him, he was very strong in his words. So this doesn't mean that we, we look to make sure everybody is happy with us, but it does look, mean that we look at people and we say, what, what does this person need at this time? What does this person need for their good right now? Jesus was a man who didn't need to win arguments, but we, he was all about winning people. And that's what these verses mean. Jesus didn't please himself. He looked to the good of others. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was wit- written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. And so to the Gentiles... And so the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy, as it is written... Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praise to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to focus mainly on verse 13 in this passage. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, there's three words that that people use a lot when they were writing together. And those words are peace, joy, and hope. You see those words together in the New Testament a lot. There were other words that were, that were in those verses like harmony, mercy, that are, that are used with the word joy a lot too. And this morning I want to ask you, and this is, this is the interactive part, this is where you can pipe up and say something, respond to me. Um, it's all good, be bold. I'm not going to get mad at you or anything if, you, if you're wrong. Um, we'll just make you leave. But um, I'm kidding. What do the words hope, peace, and joy have to do with one another? How are they tied together? How do they affect one another in your life? In the life of a believer.
That's good. Hope is confidence. Hope and peace bring joy. Do you agree that they're connected? They play on each other. They're, um, they're all tied together. They affect one another. If my hope is low, it affects my joy. If my joy is low, it affects my peace. If my peace is low, it affects my hope. This morning, what, what I, I want us to focus on today, and, and what I want you to hear me say, is, is for the bridge, for, for our church, the world does not need another ticked off Christian. Do you hear what I'm saying? The world doesn't need another sour Christian. And when I, when I see believers who, who tell me that Jesus Christ has rescued them out of the darkness of their sin and their future is heaven and they're sold up like a toad frog. How, do, how does that happen? How does that happen? How, how does that happen? I, I want people... For the bridge, I, I want people to walk in and see us celebrating. I want people not just to walk in these doors, but when we see them at Walmart, we're celebrating. We're excited about what Jesus has done for us. The reason our joy is low as believers, the reason we can't smile with genuine smiles a lot of times is because our peace is affected. And what's happened to our peace is, is we've believed everything about the world. We've, conser- we've concerned ourselves with everything about the world and we've lost our joy. We've lost our peace and it's affected our joy. Friend, if you're scared, if you live a, a life that is scared, if you watch too much Fox News and it makes you scared China's about to take over the world, I got a Chinese son, that ain't happening. China ain't about to take. Somebody else might, but they ain't fixing to get us. If you live in fear your whole life, you're not going to be happy. If you're scared somebody's going to steal something from you your whole life, you're not going to be happy. You can't serve this community scared that somebody's going to steal something from you with joy. You you can't live with joy in this community. Scared somebody's going to steal something from you all the time. If you lose your peace, you lose your joy. The reason joy is so important is, is the last part. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace inside of us causes an overflow of hope. And if I see something in this community that breaks my heart more than anything, it's a lack of hope. And it's not just this community, it's the Delta. I look in people's eyes and I see people who don't, who don't have hope. They don't have hope. Our joy is critical. Our peace is critical. Even for evangelism, for sharing the gospel. Nobody wants a Jesus that has caused somebody to be about as approachable as a porcupine. 
Don't nobody want that Jesus if we're sold up. I've got a couple more things that I want to read and us to talk through. And this, this, is, this is a story, a narrative from Acts chapter 8. You can turn in your Bibles there if you want to. It's one book to the left. Acts chapter 8, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I want you to use your imagination a little bit this morning. Um, it's okay to do that as a Christian. But we're going to read in verse 26, and this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, but I want you to kind of put yourself in this guy's shoes this morning, the Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of their entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, the the eunuch said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, what is the prophet saying this about? Who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. I want you to remember that beginning with that scripture uh, before we move on. If you don't know what a eunuch is... Um, if you do, this is not the time to chime in, Uh, but it was a servant man, a male servant, uh, mainly to royal women, and because he was chosen to be a male servant to royal women, his ability to reproduce was taken from him at an early age. Now, I'll let you go home and explain that to your kids. <laughs> but it makes me weak. Um, just know that. It is very gruesome. But it even caused the, the eunuch a lot of times to be kind of feminine. Um, it, it really stole his manhood completely. So this guy had been to Jerusalem and probably while he was in Jerusalem bought a scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he's reading it in a chariot. And this guy, Philip, who's a believer, happens to hear him reading it. And he's like, do you know what you're reading? And he's reading from Isaiah 53. That in Acts was Isaiah 53. And that's a description, a prophecy of Jesus who was to come. But it says beginning with that scripture. So in my mind, that makes me think that he kept on teaching him with the book of Isaiah. 
I want you to turn to Isaiah 56 real quick. And this is where you need to put your mind into a man whose manhood had been taken away, his ability to have children had been taken away. And he probably looked around at at a bunch of people and he was probably like, man, I wish I could have kids. I wish I could have a family. And he reads this out of Isaiah 53 and, and Philip tells him about the Lord Jesus and, and the unit gives his life to Christ and they keep on going, possibly, to Isaiah 56, verse 3. Read this. No foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord should say, the Lord will exclude me from his people. And the eunuch should not say, look, I'm a dried up tree. For the Lord says this, for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. As for the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to keep his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who who hold firmly to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will will be acceptable on my altar, for my, my house will be called a house of prayer. The man's reading about Jesus in Isaiah 53. Philip helps him understand Isaiah 53. And he keeps on reading in the book of Isaiah. And the Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, several hundred years before, says the eunuchs have a place in my house. And I will give him a memorial that's better than sons and daughters. What? Joy. Does that, I mean, if, if you're that eunuch, if you've been watching people who had families your whole life, who, who, who had loving families your whole life, and you, you want a wife, you want kids, but you don't get to have them because that had been taken from you early on in your life. And, and all of a sudden, you meet this guy, Jesus, and he says, hey, brother, in my house, you get a memorial and a name that's better than family. You belong to me. Do you not experience joy in that if you're that eunuch? In Jesus Christ, the eunuch gets a future. In Jesus Christ, the addict finds healing. In Jesus Christ, those in bondage find freedom. In Jesus Christ, the liar finds truth. And we should be joyful and happy overwhelming, overflowing with hope for people who have not yet walked into that joy. A few weeks ago, um, actually it was a few months ago, it was summer, um, a couple days ago, um, Beth and I were wanting to increase our Life insurance. That always makes me nervous when she wants to do that. But um, I had this meeting uh, at the Arkansas State Convention deal, and 
I said, well, while I'm there, I'm going to go get my blood drawn and my, my blood pressure checked. I couldn't think of that word. Um, to, to do that for life insurance. You've got to do that for life insurance. So I walk in. Man, it was a great meeting that I was in. So I was kind of pumped a little bit and excited. And when I do that, I'm kind of goofy with the nurse, you know, um, playing around, jokes, cutting up. Uh, the lady puts the, the thing on my arm to do the cuff to do my blood pressure. And we're talking, just chatting. And uh, she, she starts pumping the thing up. And she's listening. And she looks at me and she said, oh, my goodness, are you nervous? And I was like, well, I wasn't. And she keeps on, she's, she's like, oh, no. And I was like, lady, what in the world? I mean, what, you got to tell me something right now. And um, she was like, your blood pressure was like incredibly high. And I was like, well, do it again. And so she checked it again, and it, it was really high. And found out some stuff about my health that I needed to, I mean, I was, I was in kind of danger zone on some stuff. Well, I left that meeting and I was like, or that, that time with her, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm over with. I'm about to die. So I was like, I'm never eating again. Um, nothing but water. Um, that's it. And, and found out my diagnosis, and, and man, I was on it. I mean, like, on it. Uh, lost some way. I mean, I know um, y'all think I'm on steroids, but... Um, I've lost a lot of weight, that kind of thing. So I was real strict at first, but the farther away I got from that diagnosis and seeing that lady respond to my blood pressure, the harder it is for me to stay in tune with what I need to do with my life. You know what I mean? In that moment when she responded with, oh my goodness, I was ready to, I'm all in. But now, I might get a little ice cream every now and then. I bet for that Ethiopian eunuch, in that moment, when he discovered the glory of Jesus Christ in his life, And then he read probably that Isaiah 56 passage. I bet joy washed all over him. But the farther he walked away from that day, from that moment, I bet he might have come back into, man, I really wish I could have a family again. You know, the farther away from from the moment we get, the harder it is for us to stay in tune with the moment. One thing that is critical for believers, for all of us in this room, is to every day teach ourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never walk away from the news that he found us broken. He found us desperate. And if you have encountered your sin, you looked at that and you thought, what in the world am I going to do? And you repented and you asked Jesus to save you and in that moment, he saved you from everything. 
and told you, you're my son no matter what you've done. You're my daughter no matter what you've done. And hopefully you had joy. But the farther you get away, sometimes the harder it is to live in that joy. For a believer, that story has everything to do with you because every day we have to teach ourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ to live in this joy that causes us to overflow with hope that we're obligated to do for those who are weaker. One more thing before we go. If, if you're in this room and you do not know the Lord Jesus or this joy that I have talked to you about this morning, um, sometimes it can feel like believers are trying to get another notch in their belt if you give your life to Jesus. Sometimes it can feel like um, we're trying to get you in our church. We're trying to recruit you to our church. That's, that's not what's going on here. If you trust the Lord Jesus, I assure you it has nothing to do with me. I'll celebrate with you, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. I want you to give your life to the Lord Jesus... Because he changes everything about who you are. To be honest with you, I don't even necessarily mainly want you to give your life to the Lord Jesus so that you can miss hell and make heaven. I want you to give your life to the Lord Jesus because he changes today. He changes today for us. We're going to sing a couple more songs. You can use this time as a response time. Um, the next song is, is I Am Who You Say I Am. And I hope that that story of the eunuch kind of plays into that and lets you worship a little better. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you're who he says you are, not who your circumstances say you are. Not who other people say you are. But if you need to visit, if you've never met Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to save you, uh, I'm going to be back there in that corner, and you can come visit with me, and we can talk through that. If you have anything else that you need to visit with me about, you can do that also. Uh, let's stand together and worship. I'll pray for us before we do. Father, thank you for these people who have come to hear your voice, hear your word and to respond and worship you. I pray for them this morning to have incredible, contagious joy. Um, not just happiness, but joy, a deep joy from who you are. And I pray that, that the community would see it. I pray it's not a fake joy. Nobody likes the fake happiness. But I pray it's genuine and contagious that people would see and be drawn to it and it would be an overflow of hope in this community. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.